Episode 8 of the Cyclist Not Biker Podcast. I'm your host, Sam, and also probably the only person talking on this episode as I didn't line up any guests as usual. This week I'll be covering a gravel grinder murdering the velodrome. Cyclocross is here. Aero bars, part 1 billion. Did a KC vegan road trip. A little about the music on the podcast and some other bullshit probably. All coming up right now on the Cyclist Not Biker Podcast. All right. Well, let's get uh, kicked off here by let's talk about uh, the music on the podcast just for a short second. Um, All the music on the podcast uh, was written and recorded by yours truly um, and falls under the uh, project called Office, which is my kind of solo band, whatever thing. I've done some live shows and um, benefits and a crap ton of just basically drum machine doom grind stuff. Um, Anyway, so the track that opened up today is by the band Office, and it's called, uh, entitled Natural Failure. Um, the end. All right, let's move on. So yeah, I do the music for the podcast. Good, cool. Um, all right, so first real topic of today is uh, the huge news. A gravel grinder butchered the uh, velodrome recently. So Ashton Lambie broke the world's record for the 4K individual pursuit um, with a time of 4 minutes, 7.25 seconds, uh, breaking the old record held by uh, Jack Bobridge by 3 seconds. Uh, that's 3 seconds is a lot of time on the track. Um, uh, I guess, you know, the significance of breaking this record, which also the record is pretty significant uh, in of itself, is that up until two years ago, Lambie was, uh, as the major cycling publications are putting it, just a gravel grinder from the cornfields. Um, it's true. He is only <laughs> a fucking world record holder now. Well, it's unofficial, but that, that'll get shored up eventually. Um, so uh, Ashton Lambie is known uh, for doing... Uh, well, he's from Kansas. Um, he has been in like the top 10 at the, uh, I'm not looking at his career right now on the internet or anything, but, uh, he's been in the top 10 in, uh, dirty Kansas, which we've talked about way too many times on this podcast. Um, we'll try to not cover it until next year again, but, um, he's like crazy fast gravel grinder guy. And, uh, for some reason, the uh, the cycling, you know, the nine gravel cycling community or the uh, road publications are like, well, how the heck did this happen? Like, how do, how does, how does a person do that? Like, why do you ride you ride gravel? But wait, you're fast. Like, yeah, no shit, bud. Um, if you ride gravel, and then you ride road, you will notice that when you ride on road or in a track situation, that you're generally faster. I mean, 
you're not like world record breaking faster, but maybe personal record breaking faster. I don't know. Um, so it, it's really stunning to me that the the focus on this from major publications is well that oh, this is crazy. Well, I mean, but it uh, it, it goes a little bit beyond that. So Ashton is a badass. And uh, he's pretty young. He's 27. He's got a lot of years ahead of him. And he's only been uh, on the track for about two years. And he's he's killing it. He uh, won a, see, a gold medal in 2017 at the Pan American Championships with the Team USA. Um, and, you know, he's got nowhere to go but um, ar- around. I was going to say up, but you don't really go up. You mainly go around. Um, I'm interested to see um, if he also jumps back in and does some gravel races, but this seems to be his calling now, flying around the world and um, dashing the hopes of other track racers um, under the guise of some guy who is only a gravel racer. What? Get the fuck out of here. Anyway, sorry that it's a little not suitable for work. So, you know, way to kick ass. Uh, Ashton... Um, you're a you're a badass, and thanks for representing the people that race gravel in a non-gravel setting and showing the world that, you know what, it doesn't matter what you race. You do what you do, and sometimes it's better than other people. And it's true. You, uh, you race what you race. You know, you ride what you ride. You rung what you brung. Uh, those are all important things to remember, when you're thinking to yourself, like, man, if only I could, if only I could, well, then just go give it a try. You know, Ashton wasn't, like, chomping at the bit for this, but he had an opportunity to go do a, a velodrome race, and may, maybe in the in the future I can get a hold of him and we can have him on here so I can uh, bore and annoy the shit out of him with dumb questions. But, you know, he, he was like, well, yeah, hey, why not? I'll just jump on this track bike, see what happens. It turns out that he really enjoyed it. And when it comes down to it, I mean, isn't that how we all end up doing what we're doing? Like, yeah, let's just give it a shot. I'm like, yeah, this isn't bad. Let's try it again. And uh, it just worked out to be a world record pace for this gentleman. So awesome. Kick ass. And I hope that the uh, road and, and track folks find more crazy racer types that are just pluck them out of the cornfields, as it's been said in a few publications. Um, thanks to those publications. I'm not even going to name you guys. All right. Anyway, speaking of cool things happening and racing and gravel grinding and all that stuff, uh, it's cyclocross time and cyclocross has once again, invaded the cycling world in big time in Iowa. Um, we've already had a few races. Uh, it's just the, it's that time of the year when all the G roadies and, uh, that's two different groups. And uh, <laughs> and mountain bike guys and, and gals and people and humans and kids and, you know, old people like me get together and, and tear it up out on a closed course. Um, I'm probably going to skip doing cyclocross coverage this year unless I actually show up and uh, to a race to uh, watch or participate. I did say uh, a few months ago that I was going to break out the cross bike again this year and go for it, but, uh, I'm fucking suck and there's no reason for me to be out there getting in people's way. I mean, I take up a lot of space. If I took up less space or was faster, it'd be all right. But yeah, I'm just going to get pulled off the course. I'm terrible at cyclocross. Um, I can barely even get on my bike to begin with. 
Uh, anyway, so I'm probably going to skip doing coverage, but uh, my friend Jay is actually doing some coverage. He has a new podcast, and it is called the Iowa Cyclocross Podcast. It's very to the point with that title. If you want to know about cyclocross, what's going on, what's racing, um, Jay actually does race cyclocross, um, has great time racing gravel, and is a daily commuter. He rides all the time, all the time. And he started this new podcast. It's on Anchor as well, as we are. And uh, Iowa Cyclocross Podcast, I suggest that you go listen to that. It's way more entertaining than this crap that I put out once in a while. Um, so thanks, Jay, for, you know, taking up the reins and talking about Iowa Cyclocross, which is a very important part of our uh, our season. It's a good time. Um, all the teams, uh, the local teams, have a real fun time putting on cool races. Um, you know, from the Bike Iowa's Nightcap Cross back in the day, which I, I wish would come back. I think Nightcap was uh, one, one of the best, um, most fun uh, events here. Um, we've got Capital Cross coming up on September 15th, I believe. And that's always a good time down in uh, Stone Park. Uh, call that the bottoms on the south side. Um, hopefully it dries up a tad bit. It uh, That course is a little little bumpy. And if it's a little sloppy, it's, oh man, well, it'll be a cyclocross race, duh. Um, and then we've got, uh, you know, Mullet Cross out on the uh, on Eastern Iowa. I mean, we've got uh, all these great races. And we also have Renegade Cyclocross Practice which is on Tuesday nights, not tonight because it was a crappy weekend and, and they canceled it for tonight. Um, but every Tuesday out in West Des Moines, they do a cyclocross practice and you can go out there and you can chill out or you can, you know, go into the red, hang out with your friends and, uh, run around the cyclocross course, get some good practice in. I think they have some clinics that go on, on, uh, technique, for cornering, uh, mounting, dismounting, that kind of fun stuff. I mean, it, it's really important to practice those things if you're going to do a race. Because cyclocross is very challenging, um, too challenging for me, the end. So, yeah, Tuesday nights, if you're not riding out to the coming tap for tacos, not to shameless self-promotion, um, that's where I will be. Uh, but if you are not at the coming tap or the surrounding area, then... Go, uh, go try out cyclocross. It might be for you. Don't let my lack of skills at it be a deterrent for you to try it. Like, oh, give it a shot. It's a good time, good people, good fun. Um, all right, let, you know, let's, let's move on. I don't have any good segues today except for let's move on, so we're just going to move on um, to aero bars. Um, I've spoken about aero bars on every single episode of this podcast and today is no exception. We are going to talk about aero bars. So the the gravel season for me personally is over. Um, I I kind of ate it on twenty four hours of coming. It really uh, cashed in all of my gravel checks. Basically, uh, I skipped Gravel Worlds, which is a bummer. It looks like it was a fun time. Um, Maybe next year. That's my motto. In fact, 
if I ever had uh, new jerseys made for myself, it would be team maybe next year. And then people would think I was just a rag bride team or something. And, you know, I don't want to, well, I mean, basically am. Uh, uh, let's see. So arrow bars. Um, I've said mistakenly before, arrow bars do not give me personally a real advantage. You know, it's just for resting my wrist or whatever, which is nice. You got to rest your wrist once in a while. But, uh, yeah, I was wrong. So uh, I've been preparing to do part of the uh, Transamerica route. Now, uh, Transamerica route goes from Astoria, um, Oregon, down to Virginia. And it's 4,300 miles, 4,700 miles. I get things mixed up. Obviously, I'm not looking at notes. Uh, but anyway, it's over 4,000 miles, and it, the last five or six years it's been uh, done as a, a race. Um, and we've had such luminaries as, you know, Lael Wilcox. Um, uh, but it, uh, we've had a lot of people do this thing, and it's it's a brutal, brutal race, but it's a road-packing race. Um, my dream for years has been, well, my dream since I was a small child and first really got my taste of riding a bike on my own when I probably shouldn't have been on my own. I was probably like eight or nine and just like took off. Um, I was like, man, I wish I could ride across the United States of America. Um, and that it's still a dream 40 years later or 35 years later. And it's still just a dream though, but I've been preparing for it. And in preparing for it, I've built up a, a road bike that is suitable for long distances, for um, bike packing style, self-contained travel at a speed that's a little bit faster than my bag bike, um, so it can cover some more ground. Um, I'm sure I'll probably just ride the race, or ride, I'm not doing the race, I'll probably ride the route the same way I would do RAGBRAI. Like if I started in Oregon, I'm just going to, you know, weeks and weeks later, I'm going to end up drunk in Colorado somewhere, like trying to find a ride back to Iowa. Um, like, a, you know, that's, that's a, just like I was on RAGBRAI or the good intentions tour. So we'll just call this like the good intentions extreme tour. Uh, I would really like to ride the first two legs, which I believe get you from Oregon to Kansas and then actually get a, get picked up in Kansas, um, and driven back to Iowa. Cause I don't have the kind of time or probably health to complete the whole thing in any, I mean, it would probably take me six months to ride across the country at this point. Um, because I, the aforementioned, like I get, <laughs> sort of like right now. I kind of get off track. Uh, so, okay, getting back to the aerial bars part of this. So, yeah, Transamerica route, it's insane. I, I really want to get up in the mountains. Um, I had a friend of mine who did some bike touring up in the mountains this year, and it looked like a blast. And I also have some friends up in Oregon. I'd love to visit them, kind of blow through town, see people, and then just keep on trucking. But in the course of putting this road bike together, I decided to take my long retired aero bars that were on my old Fargo and uh, put them on my road bike. I was like, yeah, why not? You know, let's see if we can fit all of our, you know, the handlebar cockpit set up on this. And yeah, it still has a couple things here that I can mount lights on. And um, 
So cool. That's uh, we'll try it out. So I went out my first day that I rode with the aero bars. It was like trans Iowa winds, like sustained 25 mile an hour headwinds for most of my ride. And I'm like, well, you know, I've never really used the aero bar as well because I used to be a fat, like totally fat piece of shit. <clears throat> and in reality, without putting risers to bring the aero bars up, I, it just wasn't comfortable for me because I had this huge gut. Um, and we're going to get into that gut here in a minute. <laughs> we're not going to get directly into it. I'm not, not like a Tauntaun. I mean, if you really need to save your life by slitting me open and climbing in, that's fine. I'm willing to sacrifice myself for the greater good. Uh, but it's still too, really too warm for that. And it's not like cyclocross. We don't practice those type things. Um, so anyway, I put the aero bars on, I get in and I'm like, Oh yeah, this is pretty comfortable. Like I can actually sit in the aero bars now where they sit. Um, I wouldn't mind bringing them up 10, 20, 30 millimeters just to have a slightly more comfortable, uh, position. But I use those bars for a, uh, 30 mile ride with extreme headwinds. And my average speed was like four miles an hour over where it would normally be. Um, so that leads me to believe that the aero bars do in fact give you an aero advantage. Weird. I imagine the, you know, tens of years of research and wind tunnels and proof of, uh, you know, use of aero bars and time trials and triathlons, Ironman events, etc. Um, didn't really t- <laughs> tell me that I got an aero advantage, but now I do. So that's great. So I would like to personally retract my previous statement on aero bars. Aero bars do, in fact, give you an advantage more than just resting your arms, even on gravel. But in this case, I'm using them on the road, and they're fantastic. Um, I, in fact, I, I don't think that I'll ever not have aero bars on my road. I'm going to be on my road bike. I'm going to be that old guy cruising around that has aero bars on his uh on his uh, Pedigo electric bike or something. Who took the pop filter off this microphone? All right. So we've got aero bars are good. So I'm giving those a thumbs up. Um, I'm kind of excited about using them and hopefully next spring being able to do um, six, 700 miles of the Trans Am route. And I'm hoping that it only takes me three weeks and not three months and I get lost and I'm dead somewhere. But if that happens, then I'm dead somewhere and you don't have to listen to this podcast anymore. Um, if you don't want, well, you know what? You don't have to listen to this podcast anyway. In fact, if you've made it this far today, thank you very much for listening to the podcast because I don't listen to it either. All right, moving on. So speaking of being a former huge fat ass, um, you know, as a few of you know, I went vegan um, in March of 2017, uh, after experiencing a really, 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 really bad serum. Uh, serum is normally a really tough, tough race. It's, you know, end of February, early March, um, metric gravel race south of Des Moines. It's a lot of climbing, I think like 6,000 feet or something. And uh, this particular day, it was beautiful day, dry, winds were low, and I was 
so fucking fat and out of shape that I can only make it to the the checkpoint. 40 miles. It's pretty... I'm kind of tearing up thinking about what a total failure that was. Um, You know, we all fail in life, but the thing is you need to to learn from them. And I did learn from that failure um, immediately after realizing that I was getting out of breath just trying to, you know, put my shoes on to get on the bike to race, (laughs) race, uh, that it was time to make some changes. Um, Back in 2010, when I had some fitness to me and I had gotten on the bike Iowa racing team and um, just kind of business and everything caught up to me. And so my fitness kept dropping off and dropping off and dropping off. And then uh, I just said, screw everything and started eating all the wrong stuff, particularly just fried chicken all the time. And my health got to an all time low. So uh, I went vegan and uh, I have been vegan before, and so it wasn't a stranger. And, you know, my restaurants uh, serve vegan food, and I was once known as the Veg Chef Des Moines back in the day. Um, so it's this. it wasn't like a, I didn't know what I should be doing, and I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but, man, what, what a uh, – I think I've lost about 80 pounds total, and I'm ready to go down a size in, in my kits, which – was very fortuitous because the kits that I do own that I will wear um, are pretty worn out. So it's time to maybe get a couple new, couple new kits to uh, to wear out there on the road. We'll see about that. Um, the Taco Apocalypse Racing Team has been RIP for a long time. But I still wear the kits, and I'm no longer on the Bike Iowa team, even though I own a crap ton of the, of bike Iowa kits. If anybody of the bike Iowa team are out there and they wear a uh, 2X uh bibs 3X tops or 2X tops, I think mine are 3, pretty sure they're 3. Uh but if you wear that size and you're on the bike Iowa team and you would like to um take some of my old kits, I would be more than happy to get a hold of me. You can have them cuz uh I don't want to misrepresent uh, anybody else's team. Man, I should have drank more coffee before we did this. I waited too long. All right, so uh, vegan food, vegan food. So uh, now instead of going out and, and doing this like fried chicken, chicken blog, I have a vegan vegan blog. My vegan blog is called thevulgarvegan.com. Um, I do food trips and try to document eating vegan in other cities. Um, also post some recipes, uh, they, nothing suitable for work, much like most of this podcast. Um, it's the vulgar vegan. It's, it's a lot of fucking swearing going on and it makes about as much sense as I normally do here. Um, we were going to do a podcast, um, for that also, but you know what? I, no. So speaking of food trips, really long winded today, um, as usual, uh, this past weekend, um, the Stoker and I decided to go do a Kansas City vegan food trip, which involved going to Kansas City and basically staying in our room unless we were going out to eat vegan food. Um, we went, went on a walk, but that was essentially what we did. No bikes, no tandem, no 
hanging out with friends in Kansas City, no nothing. It was just specifically go there, get away from things, um, rest up. I've been really threadbare lately and uh, eat the best food that we could find so we could document it. So we did. And if I have the... So we stay in Westport most of the time, uh, which is kind of like what you would call it, South Central Kansas City. Um, it's a cool little neighborhood. It reminds me a lot of. Um, <laughs> it reminds me a lot of Westport. I've spent a lot of time there. Um, so we we ate at uh, <clears throat> Cafe Gratitude, um, which is up in the Crossroads neighborhood. And it's a uh, it's very close to the Up Down in Kansas City, which is a, a neighbor of Talk Apocalypse here in uh, Des Moines. <laughs> Man, if you made it this far, you'd be doing better than me. Um, so Cafe Gratitude is uh, probably one of the longest running vegan spots in Kansas City. Um, if I remember correctly, many many years ago, it started off with like they're just serving food in the basement of a church. And it's moved up to, if I'm wrong, please feel free to correct me rudely, as rudely as possible. Um, so we went to Cafe Gratitude. They, I mean, the place is, the vibe's great. The food's incredible. We've got raw vegan stuff, cooked vegan stuff. They're, um, they're vegan cheeses. That, they make everything from scratch on premise for their vegan cheeses, their cheddar and their mozzarella are like stupid. Um, get their bruschetta. Um, what their Mac and cheese, they, they're, they are mostly gluten-free, um, all vegan, some raw, all organic. Um, the health, the wait staff and the staff there are super duper friendly very nice. They can answer all the questions. Um, and it's a small place. You want to get there, you know, the best time is probably off peak hours. Like don't go at noon or at like six thirty PM. Um, especially if you're going on a vegan food trip. I mean, if you do like a coffee, then brunch, then late lunch, then dinner, you can get four meals in. Not that I, not that I do that. Um, but anyway, yeah, Cafe Gratitude, like five stars all the way. We ate there on our way into town, and it was our last meal on the way out of town. Um, they were It was a super busy weekend for them, and they were out of some ingredients. Uh, but they, and of course, you know, I already had my order picked out. And our server had, she got it figured out for us. Like, well, this is what we wanted. And like, well, we don't really have any of that stuff, but here. And I wanted the mac and cheese and I agreed to do it with their uh, nacho cheese. And so the cheddar cheese, which is very similar just with jalapenos. Um, but they had thrown together some cheddar cheese and she gave me an extra scoop. Oh, so good. Um, speaking of their nachos, they do a thing called a living nacho. It's uh, raw nachos with flaxseed crackers. I know for those of you that aren't vegan or eat raw, um, it probably sounds dumb, but it, I mean, it's fucking incredible. You really need to try them. The bruschetta is incredible. Like, there's nothing there has any kind of um, negative con connotation, and I am very grateful that they were there. 
that I mean the place is phenomenal. Uh, we also ate we we ate at our <clears throat> one of our mainstays, and the Stoker gets on down to uh, Kansas City for work once in a while. But we uh, we usually stop by Char Bar, which is a barbecue place, but they have a a gluten free and a vegan menu. Um, it's not extensive, but if you know you're with some uh, omnivores who want to eat Kansas City barbecue, like this is probably one of the best places to go um, with you if you're vegan because they have a, a, a short vegan menu. Um, they do a smoked jackfruit; it's delicious, um, and they have uh, yeah, vegan bread. They have a couple of different slaws that are vegan, and uh, I highly recommend it. Especially if you're with people that want to eat barbecue, that's that's the spot. Um, and I've I've eaten there as a meat eater, and I can say that their barbecue is on par with anything else in Kansas City, which is saying something. Um, and then we also we also stopped by McCoy's Public House, which is right down the block. It's owned by so Char Bar and McCoy's Public House, um, Westport Cafe beer kitchen and there's a new seafood place that used to be a burger place um these are all owned by the same people in westport um and they have the it's like the same level of quality in their vegan stuff um they're one of the first places that uh i saw you know uh, jackfruit on a non-asian menu way back in the day. But, uh, so we stopped at McCoy's public house. They have a vegan wrap. They have, um, some jackfruit tacos that were fantastic. Um, and a couple other options and they brew all their own beer. Highly recommended. Um, good place for a a lunch before cruising around and hitting the bars in the neighborhood. Um, we had a coffee at mud pie vegan bakery, which is, uh, just up the street. It's on 39th, which is home to some barbecue places and Meshuggah bagels, which I was like, I had to get a picture of that. Like what this is, man, these guys are uh, really technical and brutal and they make bagels. That's cool. I love that band. Um, So uh, mud pie vegan bakery. They're in a small uh, house over on a converted house over on 39th. And everything there is a vegan um, we had, I had, you know, just my regular coffee, but we had a espresso chip muffin it was fantastic. And then there was an apple, an apple bar that the Stoker had that I didn't get a, uh, I didn't get a bite of. So it must've been pretty good because usually we share. So yeah, if you're looking to get some coffee, that's a great spot. Um, where else did we go? Oh yeah. One of the places that was this kind of a, surprise was a place called pirate's bone it's at a uh, 645 east 59th street in kansas city um they on their website talk about how they are the premier vegan test kitchen in kansas city and yeah it's they're, they're a little they're a little proud of their their selves on there and i thought well you know what stoker was like well this is either going to be you know, a really amazing and they're just kind of cocky about it, or it's going to be an epic fail and they're trying to mask it by being dicks. And it turns out they were actually super nice. 
Um, our food, they have a beet burger there. They they make on premises. And Stoker had the, the beet burger, and I had the Mexican Mexican torta, and both had uh, their tempeh bacon, and it was just stupid. And we came out. It's a super tiny place. Um, fun atmosphere. You know, right there. It's just kind of like in the middle of a residential neighborhood. Um, if you've been to like Jay Selby's, it kind of reminds me of the same kind of neighborhood um, atmosphere, but maybe a little bit smaller. Oh, here comes. Ah, shit. Here's that. It's time for a commercial break. Yeah, you wish it was over. Anyway, <clears throat> so yeah, Pirate's Bone. Uh, it's super, super tiny place. Uh, the food was fantastic. Uh, I wish that we could... I wish I was there right now because I could use some lunch. They um very friendly, uh, very helpful, and the food absolutely lived up to their own self-prescribed hype. So thank you, Pirate's Bone, for making that lunch... Uh, as good as you expected. <laughs> it was, it was great. Oh man. Where else did we go? Oh, we went to see, it's not my notes. Um, we also had breakfast at the, uh, Kansas city market coffee house and, or it's city market coffee house. Um, in the city market it has a group of, restaurants and outdoor seating and whatnot. Um, they have a vegan breakfast burrito. That was the perfect, the perfect size for a breakfast. You know, my breakfast usually involves like peanut butter toast and a cup of coffee. And I wait till later on to like really get down unless I'm going for a long ride. Then I'll have more peanut butter toast cause I love it. Um, this was, you know, a $4 breakfast burrito, perfect size. The coffee, we just got drip coffee and it was fantastic. Um, the Stoker got a, a bagel with vegan cream cheese. I think it was the, uh, Daya veggie cream cheese, um, which is one of my favorites. I rarely knock on places that don't make their own cream cheese because, you know, Sometimes if you don't, sometimes you just got to serve what's there. And Daya makes a, this one of their better products, their cream cheese. Um, and our breakfast together, two coffees, a bagel and the burrito was like $10. And it's right on the bike, the bike trails. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a great spot. Um, it was kind of a, oh man, do we want to go to mud pie again? Or should we find someplace different? I'm like, well, let's, let's try something different. And, uh, I'm glad that we did. So yeah, uh, city market coffee house, um, ab, it highly recommended. You should stop in and see them. It's a fun place. And, uh, if you sit outside, you can hang out with the birds. And, uh, we had a, look like a, a mama bird teaching a like child bird. It was, it was almost full size, but still had little puffy tufts. But it was, uh, I guess, teaching its kid how to grift off of diners 
and it worked because I gave him some crumbs and we had a good conversation, me and the birds. Anyway, so uh, yeah, that kind of wraps up the uh, vegan food trip. We didn't have to resort to going to like do the Taco Bell thing or any fast food or whatnot. Um, Kansas City has a, a, a decent amount of vegan options. Um, I still feel like it could be better. But with the the standouts that they have, I mean, you can't go wrong. If I had to eat at Cafe Gratitude for every meal, I would be cool. And it would take breaks by uh, hitting Pirate's Bone. Um, now, we we because it was a holiday weekend, we wanted to go to Oase, which is an Ethiopian-Caribbean place um, that has a, a vegan menu. But they were closed the two days that we... We just couldn't get there Saturday night. It wasn't in the cards. Uh, there's also a place, Food, F-U-D. Um, it looks like they may have moved to a new location that's under construction right now. Um, I was confused because I, I really wanted, I was looking at the picture of their food, and I wanted to just smash it into my face. And when we got up to the area, it was most definitely not there. So it says coming soon on the Internet. Um I would, I would personally would keep an eye on that if you're in Kansas City and food is open. Check it out. Tell me how it went. Uh, let's see. I think that covers... Uh, there's also a, a sandwich place called The Bite that we didn't make it to. Um, that might have been due to overlapping hours or lack of hours of the time we were there. Uh, anyway, so our next trip for vegan food is going to be in Minneapolis on September 16th. And that is the Minneapolis Veg Fest. I can't wait. Um, we had talked about going to the uh, going to Minneapolis this past weekend, but I'm like, man, how much sat- Minneapolis is like a satan town. It's colder weather. A lot of their vegan stuff and their their vegan restaurants are based around satan. You got Herbivorous Butcher, Jay Selby's, um, even uh, like Hard Times Cafe, places like that. Um, a lot of them serve very satan heavy um menu and i try to stay away from that level of gluten in my life for the most part um but yeah so look for next next month we'll have another vegan food trip feature hopefully um that will include the minneapolis veg fest um and you know let's talk a little bit about being vegan uh people like to make fun of it um i tell them to go fuck themselves because uh you know, oh, but what about protein? What about this? Like, um, A, who, don't worry about me. I'll take care of myself. So will all the other vegans out there. Like, we'll, we'll get our B vitamins. We'll get our amino acids. We'll get our complete proteins. We'll do it because, you know, we, we're much more mindful of what you eat. So if you're just one of those people out there that's like, yeah, man, but like bacon, man, like, boo, vegan's dumb. Like, shut the fuck up. Go fuck yourself and uh, just don't say anything. Just shut your mouth. I want to hear it. I don't go around telling you how meat is murder. It is, by the way. But I try to keep keep my political self out of there. There are plenty of people out there that are vocal activists. Um, I support them, but I'm kind of a weenie when it comes to that. I try to stay neutral um, just due to, you know, my business, etc. Uh, so yeah, eating vegan, it's great. 
it changed my life. I would probably be dead right now had I not gone back to being vegan. Uh, not to mention the uh, countless thousands of chickens I probably have eaten in the last almost two years. Because I did eat a lot of fried chicken. Sorry, guys. All right. Moving on. Speaking of fried chicken, this has nothing with it. I think we're about done for today. Um, I need to go to work. I need to go to my actual job and do things that actually pay the bills. Um, so until next time, get out there, ride your bike, try to enjoy your life, be healthy, be kind to others. Um, and, uh, yeah, ride your fucking bike. Good day.